I'll ask you early since it might take a little while for us to find it. I want you to go to Genesis, please, chapter 1. And uh, you can have that at the ready, and we will get there in just a little while. This year, 2023, as I said earlier during the offering time, the Lord began to deal with me back uh, some weeks ago, actually, that this year would be a year of breakthroughs and blessings for this congregation, for this church family. Those that are connected with us in ministry, those who support, those who pray, those who are here, this is a word for us, and I have received it for myself, and that's why I'm honestly planning that 2023 will be the best year that I have ever lived, and I believe it will also be the best year for the church. Breakthroughs and blessings are words that are worth studying. They're worth the, you know, the time to, to learn about them. So last week, on the first day of the year, which of course was Sunday, we taught about breakthroughs. And if you didn't get that message, if you weren't here or if you haven't heard it, then it's available on the app, it's available on the website, it's free of charge, and I would encourage you to listen. I believe it's a very, very timely and powerful word for us at this time. And uh, if you were here and you heard it, I would encourage you to go and hear it again. Make it yours. A breakthrough, we have learned, is a sudden advance, an act or an instance of moving through or moving beyond a barrier or an obstacle. It is a forever change, and once the barrier has been broken and the enemy has been overcome, we never have to go back to the way things were. Isn't that good? Whatever that you might be facing that is not the will of God, whatever you may be facing that's not scriptural, it's the work of the devil, it's his attempt to steal, kill, and destroy in your life. Once you overcome that situation, once you have that breakthrough, you never have to go back. I like that scripture, Nahum 1.9, this affliction shall not arise again the second time. That's my confession, praise the Lord. How about you? So, A breakthrough is a change that is not only dramatic, but it is forever. And we are actually propelled by the power of God to a new place. When you have a breakthrough, like a biblical breakthrough, we talked about some of those last week. But when you have one of those, then you are propelled by the power of God to a new place. And all of the things that have held you back... They're gone. You don't have to deal with them anymore. That's what a breakthrough is. And so we talked about that. We uh, studied about it a little. Today I want to talk about the blessings. And there are three words. They are frequently scriptural, uh, frequently used scriptural words. One is the word blessing, singular. Second is blessings, plural. And then just the word bless, those three words. It's important that we know Uh, what those three words are about. And there are differences in the way that they're used. And so I want you to listen and take this in and let the Lord speak to your heart today. Blessing, blessings, and to bless. First of all, the blessing. The blessing is a spiritual empowerment from God to us. An empowerment to prosper in every area of your life. That's what the blessing, the general phrase, the blessing, is about. It's about God's empowerment to us to prosper in every area of life. 
that's spiritual, that's emotional, intellectual, that is physically, that is financially, and that is, of course, socially or relationally. All those five areas that we touch, all those five areas that we are constantly moving in and out of, day by day by day, all those areas God has empowered us to prosper in. And to know that is to be able to begin to renew your mind to think like a blessed person. Now Genesis 1, I ask you to turn there. We're going to look at verses 26 and um, 27. It says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And then verse 28, and God blessed them. You see that? And God blessed them, or God empowered them to prosper. God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. One of the reasons I wanted to read that passage this morning is for you to realize, and for some maybe to be reminded of the fact that the first words that Adam ever heard after he was created was God blessing him. The blessing was the first thing that Adam heard from the voice of God. The blessing. That's a powerful, powerful truth. That shows us the importance of it, and that also tells us that the blessing was a pre-fall empowerment. It was a part of paradise, if you will, and to this very day, we still have the blessing if we're in Christ. You say, how do we know that? Well, Galatians 3, 13 and 14 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse, that's the opposite of a blessing, from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is every one that hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And so this blessing, Abraham's blessing, through Jesus Christ, is ours today. We are empowered to prosper in every area of our lives. Now, the second word we mentioned was the word blessings, with an S, plural, blessings. And how we want to look at that and how we can define that, I think, in a way that helps us understand it better, is that blessings are those things. Everybody say things. Blessings are those things that the blessing produces. Blessings, plural, are those things that the blessing, empowerment, produces. Blessings are manifestations of the blessing. You might say, well, you sound like you're splitting hairs to me. It's really important, though, to understand this because you need to know, all of us, we all need to know that the things we have in life that are good from the Lord, the home you have, the family you have, a good marriage, your health, all those are blessings. They are things you can enumerate, you could list them, and you could uh, tell somebody, a list of blessings in your life. And those things are a product 
of the blessing, that overarching uh, pronouncement by God over you and to you of his empowerment on your life to be blessed. And one of the great assignments that we have personally as a believer, one of the most important things I believe that you can ever do as a Christian, once you're saved, you've got the issue of salvation settled. You're born again. You have surrendered your life to God. You're you're part of the family of God. One of the most important things you can do is to renew your mind that you are now a blessed person. You're a blessed man a blessed woman, you are blessed of God. Now, to bless is used as a verb. It's action. It means to speak what God has already said. In other words, when I find out what he said when he gave the blessing, then my assignment is not only to renew my mind to think about that and to think like God thinks about me, But it's necessary that I begin to say what God says. To bless is the opposite of to curse. Amen. It is saying and speaking what God says over you and what God says over yours and all the things that involve your life. And so if I'm going to live under the blessing, if I'm going to enjoy the blessings, then I have got to learn to bless my life. I've got to learn to speak blessing over my children. I've got to learn to speak blessing over my body. I've got to learn to speak blessing over my money. I've got to learn to speak blessing over my job, my business, my career. I've got to learn to speak the Word of God. So if I'm going to speak blessing, then one thing that I know that it eliminates is complaining. So I'm not talking about anyone in particularly, but uh, if this fits, you just have to wear this particular shoe until you can take it off. But if you are a complainer, if you are a habitual griper, and most complainers don't realize how much they complain because it becomes such an ingrained part of their life, they can always find the bad in everything. You know, some people can brighten a room by simply leaving it. (laughs) And, uh, And so, you know, sometimes people fall into that habit and if you hang around other complainers, it's so easy. I mean, just, we're all nosy, aren't we? Well, don't act like you're not, because we'll have an altar call for liars here. But we all, we're all a little nosy. So just put that uh, trait to work a little bit, and just listen the next time you're in some waiting room somewhere, or you're standing in line in a, in a retail establishment to get checked out or something. Just, just listen to people talk. Not to be judgmental really, but just to take notes of how negative most people are. How how much complaining people do, how much whining people do. Faith is never a whine. Faith is never begging. Faith is assurance of God's promise at work in my life. So if I really want to bless, then I'm not going to curse. I'm not going to speak the curse. You know, if, uh, if somebody is just like their daddy, and their daddy was a sorry cuss. You've ever known any sorry cusses in your life? I'm sure we all have. Like that guy was a sorry cuss and he died. 
as sorry cusses tend to do early. But anyway, he died, and they were having the funeral, and, and as, you know, sometimes happens in those situations, people start going overboard with all these compliments that are not really justified. And so the minister was up there going on about this guy and how fine he was and how good he was and all that and stuff. And so the poor dear widow sitting there on the front row and she's got children sitting beside her. And finally he went on so long that he, she looked at her oldest child and said, would you go over and check and see that is your daddy up there? <laughs> so, you know, but what we have a tendency to do is tell people, you know, you're just like your daddy, your mother, your whatever. You're just like so-and-so. Or you're never going to amount to anything. You're never, you know, we need to be very careful that we don't curse even those that we love. That we don't complain. That we don't gripe. You say, well, there's a lot in this world that isn't right. I know that. We all know that. But we need to be very careful that we're not cursing our environment that we're living in, the, the world we're living in, the social order we're living in, the community we're living in, the church where we attend. You know, if you want to find fault, you'll find fault anywhere you look. There are no perfect people, no perfect preachers, no, no, there's just no perfect people, period. So the thing we've got to do, though, is speak the blessing. Because when we speak the blessing, we're speaking power to bless. When you speak the curse, you're speaking power to curse. You're going to have what you say. Either way, Jesus taught us that. We having the same spirit of faith, we, uh, we believe and therefore we speak. Well, you know, that works. So always make sure that you understand you are blessed. You have the blessing upon you. That the good things in life come from above, James 1.17. They come from God. Those are blessings. But it's our job to bless. Amen. To bless. Can you say amen? amen? So it's important that we do this. Now go to Deuteronomy chapter 30. You're in Genesis, so just turn over to uh, a few books in your Bible to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Because this is a scripture that might, might take somebody by surprise if you don't already know this great truth. And for those of, of you who know it, it's certainly worth repeating and hearing it again. Deuteronomy chapter 30, and we are going to look at verse number 19 because I want to make this statement. This is very important when we talk about blessings. And that is, the blessing is a choice. Now, I know God made his choice, and he pronounced blessing. But for you and I to walk in it, we have to choose it. Notice what Moses said. And remember, Deuteronomy is one long sermon. I always like to point it out when I come into Deuteronomy to give me a little cover as a pastor because I want you to realize that, the, that all of the book of Deuteronomy was, was one long sermon spoken by a man that was 120 years old getting ready to die. I wonder how long Moses could preach when he was 85. But anyway, uh, this is one long discourse to the people of Israel before Moses died. And so he says in verse 19 of chapter 30, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you. Now, how did Moses set this before them? How did God set before them what he's getting ready to talk about? Well, he set it before them not only by God speaking blessing, but by Moses proclaiming it. I want you to get this truth. 
The blessing is not just going to happen without your cooperation. He says, I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. In other words, you've got choices here, and I'm going to tell you what to choose. Choose life. Well, obviously, if you, know, if you see the context of the verse, he's saying choose life and choose blessing. That both thou and thy seed, that your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren may live. So when we choose the blessing, we're choosing something that's not only going to affect us in our lifetime personally, but it will affect our kids. It will affect their children. The blessing is a continuous covering of good things from God for every generation that will receive it, accept it, and act on it. Can you say amen? Being blessed puts us in a privileged class. Everybody under the blessing is in a privileged class. The blessed man or the blessed woman, the blessed person, walks the earth and lives on the earth unlike regular people live. As a matter of fact, it's one of the greatest tools for evangelism that you can use is for you to live a blessed life. Now, I know that the gospel needs to be preached. And I know that we all need to follow the Holy Spirit to witness to people and to invite people to church and to be active in sharing our faith. You know, a lot of times people are waiting on a program or a distinct separate arm of ministry of a church or something else that that's evangelism. And those people, they do that. No, it's good. Yeah, they can do that. And that's all wonderful. But every one of us should be evangelists in the sense that we share our faith. Every one of us should be inviting people to come to the house of the Lord. If this really is worth you getting up on a cold, cloudy morning in January and driving all the way over here to come because you believe there's something here for you that God wants to say and God wants to do for you, then my goodness, don't we all know somebody else that needs it too? But as you're living in the blessing, that's one of the greatest evangelism tools that you will ever use. Because most of the world isn't. Because here's something you need to know. That the curse is the default setting in a fallen world. The default out there in the world is the curse. That's why so many people are whining, griping, complaining. That's why so many people are angry. That's why so many people are confused. That's why so many people are in trouble. Because they're living under the default setting that's in the world. You don't have to do anything to be cursed. Just show up. Be born in the earth of fallen parents. And you're cursed from the get-go. You may say, well, that doesn't make... Uh, that doesn't sound fair to me. I guess it isn't fair, but that's how it is. But on the other hand, simply by receiving Jesus as Lord, making a confession of your faith based on something Jesus already did 2,000 years ago, and you got born again, and you were made a new creature in Christ Jesus, and you can tell the devil, you cannot touch me as Christ is, uh, so am I in this world, and the wicked one touches me not. The devil would say, that's not fair either, but thank God, I'm glad it's true. Amen. So we're not talking about necessarily what's always fair. We're just talking about what works and what doesn't work. And the blessing 
works. But the curse also is out there. And so one of the reasons it's important to understand what the blessing is and how to function in it is because you don't want what the curse brings. You don't want the spiritual death. You don't want the mental torment and illness. You don't want the physical sickness, disease, and premature death. You don't want the poverty, starvation, and hunger. You don't want the, the family disasters, and relational disasters that come with the curse. So the blessed person walks this earth unlike regular people. The blessing is God's empowerment to restore us to our pre-fall position. Think about that for a minute. The blessing is God's empowerment restoring us to the pre-fall position. The only thing we're lacking is a glorified body, and we're going to get that. And until we uh, don't, as long as we need this physical body in the earth, he's promised to heal it. We know we're not going to live forever on this planet as we are. We know that there will have to be a change to be made. But we can live the full length of our life out here below. And we can live it in strength and health. And we can go to heaven with victory, not defeat. And one of these days we will get a body that matches our spirit. Isn't that good to know? Amen. So so you've got this Ferrari spirit. This Mercedes spirit. But you've got a... Pujo body. I hope nobody's got one of those in here that's going to be offended at me. One time I was making that illustration, and I, or some kind of similar illustration, and I referred to a car, and somebody, they didn't like it because they had one of those cars. I believe it still was a piece of junk, but that's beside the point. It's an argument from long ago. We won't go back there too far. But, and and as far as everything else is concerned, your spiritual standing with God, you will not be any more righteous when you're walking the streets of gold than you are right now if you're born again. You don't grow in righteousness. Now, you grow in faith. You grow in your love walk. But, but you don't grow in righteousness. You're either righteous or not. And if you're not, you're going to hell. And if you're right, you're going to heaven. Some things are already set. They're already there. You're already a righteous person. You can't make God love you anymore. You know, I mean, no matter what you do today, if, uh, no matter how many good things you might do today, you'll never do anything to make God love you any more than he already does. You can't do enough bad things to make him love you any less. He just loves you. Now, you're going to have some choices as to whether or not you walk in the fullness of his blessings. You have a choice whether or not you spend eternity with him or apart from him. But you'll never affect his love for you. And if he didn't demonstrate his love for you when he sent Jesus to the cross, then you, you just don't know what love's about. So, the empowerment to prosper, the blessing, was given by God to restore man to his pre-fall position. And this empowerment, this supernatural ability from God, listen, this is so important, and I love this part, it cannot be stopped, it cannot be altered by Satan or by circumstances. You'll never deal with a demon or a demonic force, and you'll never deal with a set of circumstances, regardless of how bad they look, that can stop the blessing in your life. And through the blessing, we overcome those circumstances. That song we were singing, this is how we overcome. My, my, my. 
It's so appropriate, the blessing of God. We overcome by speaking God's blessing into our lives. So here's something else I want to share with you. I'm trying to, trying to hurry along. But uh, being blessed, and I didn't always know this. Maybe you did. I mean, I didn't think of it this way. But as I'm meditating here, the Lord began to help me to understand some things. I, I heard somebody preaching about it one time, and I, and I just realized, and the Lord just kind of put some things together. You know how he does that. But I want to share this with you because this is such good news to me at least. Being blessed means that we can initiate and we can precipitate the miracle we need. We don't have to wait on a sign. We don't have to wait on a wonder. We believe in signs and wonders. But you know, signs and wonders are not prim- they're not for the believer. You already are a believer. You ought to be working some signs and wonders. You don't need them to trust God. And and so you can precipitate. You can initiate the miracle that you may need in your life. You can, through your faith and obedience, cause there to be a release of the power of God. That's what the blessing is empowers you to do. Now, we don't have to wait, as I say, on a sign or a wonder. And listen to me, you don't have to wait on brother or sister so-and-so in order to have a miracle. The Bible speaks about, in Ephesians chapter 3, the power that, that work in you. It does not say in that verse, the power that is at work in the convention center. The power that's at work at such and such, uh, you know, uh, Bible school. Or the power that's in such and such church building. Now, thank God for power in the convention center. Thank God for power in the Bible school. Thank God for power in the church. We don't want powerless Bible schools. We don't want powerless churches. We don't want uh, ministers to have meetings that are powerless. So don't misunderstand me. But the point is... You don't have to wait until six months from now when brother so-and-so comes close enough to you can drive over and get a hotel room and hope to get healed. You can get healed today. You can receive from God today. Why? Because you are blessed. Wake up. You're blessed. We're not hoping, wishing, maybe, might be. We are the blessed of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that's what you see when you look through the Gospels again and again. The woman, for instance, Mark 5, with the issue of blood. She didn't have a verse from the Old Testament that said, there's this person named Jesus coming along, and everybody that touches the hem of his garment can be healed even of a a blood flow that's incurable by the doctor. She didn't have any particular verse that said all of that. She initiated a miracle. When she decided to get out of her house, breaking all the rules of the day, and get out of there and just throw caution to the wind and go after the power of God, go after the anointing of God, go after the person of Jesus Christ. And she initiated the miracle, and you know the story, she got it. She got it. And Jesus was on his way to Jairus' house. Jairus was a Jewish leader, a synagogue leader, and he had beseeched Jesus to come and heal his daughter. And it's interesting when you read this story, he came and he told Jesus what he wanted him to do, and Jesus just followed him. You see, again and again, you see people initiating, precipitating the miracle they desire. 
the supernatural manifestation they desire. How could they do that? Because the woman with the issue of blood was blessed. She was a child of Abraham. She was the seed of Abraham. She was blessed. And isn't it interesting to note that though she was blessed, she was still sick, uh, she was still sick for 12 years. And by the time 12 years were up, she was broke. She was both sick and in poverty. And all the while, she was blessed. You see, she didn't know year one, year two, year three, year four, and so on down the line. She didn't know what she, found, what she knew when she found out about Jesus. And that's one of the reasons we need to live, we who are blessed and know it, we need to live that blessed life because there are people out there. You've got people in your family. You've got people you work with. You've got neighbors. You've got people you know, and you love them. You care about them. And they don't really realize that they could be healed. They don't know that they could get a miracle. They don't know that they could live not hand to mouth, but they could live with abundant supply and that they could be able to give and be a blessing, that they could have some financial freedom. They don't know that they can have a great marriage even after nearly 48 years. Whoo, glory. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> they, they don't know. They don't know unless we tell them. Most people aren't reading their Bible. Most people aren't doing a daily devotion. I mean, maybe you are, thank God, but I mean, it's talking about in the world, most people aren't doing that. Most people are deluged with, with, uh, all kinds of mess on social media. Some of it true, some of it not true, some of it half true, some of it not true. All kinds of conspiracies and lies and angry people and perverted people and sick people and all kinds of messed up people screaming at people and they're hearing all kinds of stuff. Somebody needs to stand up and say, the Lord Jesus Christ will give you life. He will give you peace. He will give you blessing and he will give you hope and he will bless your life. You can live unlike other people. You can live as the blessed of God. Amen. So we don't have to wait on a sign or a wonder. We can initiate our supernatural manifestations as we go because that's what blessed people do. That's what covenant people did do, and that's what we do now. Now let's go to Galatians 3. We're, we're winding down. And you know what that means. Nothing. Nothing. Galatians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. I quoted it earlier, but I'd like for you to look at it in your Bible. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. That's how he did it, by taking our place. He became what we were, so we can be what he is. He became cursed, so we can be blessed with his blessing, his position, his place. Read Ephesians chapter 2 sometime, chapters 1 and 2. We are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree, that the blessing, the blessing of Abraham, that is the greatest blessing available to a human today, is what we would call, what this scripture calls the blessing of Abraham. And in this passage, he's making it clear that the blessing of Abraham is available to everyone who will believe, whether they are Jew, descendants of Abraham, literally, or whether they are Gentiles, born again, and through Christ have become the spiritual seed of Abraham. Let me read verse 14. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith, 
Verse 29, and if you be Christ's, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs. Heirs to what? Heirs to the blessing. Heirs according to the promise. So there's the word promise in verse 29 and the word promise in verse 14. The promise of the Spirit through faith. And so here is what you need to understand about the blessing, about blessings, and about what it means to bless. And that is that the blessing of Abraham included Jesus coming as the seed of the woman, being born, living, dying, giving his life for us, redeeming us completely, settling and forever sealing a covenant with the Almighty God for us on our behalf, rose again from the dead, is ascended to heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father, now as our lawyer pleading our case there, and he is the Lord head of the church. We are his body. And we need to understand that in Christ, this blessing of Abraham, you say, what is that? That Well, it was Christ primarily, but you've got to understand the blessing of Abraham was not just Jesus coming to the earth and doing what he did. It included all that what he did provided. Do you understand what I'm saying? The blessing of Abraham was Christ But because it was Christ, it was all that Christ is and all that he provides. That's the blessing of Abraham. It is an all-encompassing blessing. Go back and read from the time that God began to deal with Abraham on through. Let me give you a little example. Just for instance, to get your mind to thinking in that direction. Abraham lived to be 175 years old. After Isaac was born... You know, he'd had one son, Ishmael, by his uh, wife's maidservant. And then Isaac was born, the supernatural miracle child, when Abraham was 100. And most of the time, for our purposes in preaching and teaching, we kind of stop there. You know, we've got other things to, to tie in and talk about. But if you read the story of Abraham, Sarah died some years after Isaac was born. Sarah died. And Abraham, that old rascal, remarried. (laughs) And guess what? He that was back some years before, unable to father a child, fathered five more sons. And one of those sons, named Midian, was a servant of God. And his descendants, uh, there was one of his descendants called the priest of Midian who was actually the father of the wife of Moses that he found when he's on the backside of the desert. It's amazing when you read the Bible, all of the intricacies and all the things that are tied together. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. But the point is, the blessing of Abraham brought life to his body. And he lived to be 175 years old. One of the first things you record about Abraham in the Bible in Genesis 13 that talks about what kind of a person he was, it says that, God, that he was very rich in cattle and silver and in gold. So my point is, the blessings of Abraham, the blessing of Abraham is more than just the spiritual blessing of salvation and getting go to heaven. It includes a blessed life here. If you go talk to any practicing Jewish person, someone who goes to their synagogue every Saturday and who is a practicing Jew, 
you're never going to talk that person into the idea that it's God's will that they be broke, busted, and disgusted. You're never going to talk them to, into the idea that it's God's will that their family forget God and that they just have a totally disintegrated family life. No, you're going to find people that believe that this thing keeps going from generation to generation to generation to generation, and they've proven it. No dictator, no tyrant, no governmental system, no amount of prejudice has been able to wipe away the seed of Abraham in a physical sense. And I want to tell you, in case you're worried about those headlines you watch and see and all the stuff you see on social media about what a mess our world is in, and I'll grant you it's in a mess, but I want you to understand that you too are the seed of Abraham by faith in Christ Jesus. And you're not going to get wiped out. And you're not going to, you know, don't worry about it. Forget about it. It's not going to happen. You say, well, when are we going to leave here? I don't know, but I'm going to stay busy until I do. And no devil's going to stop it in Jesus' name. Now, we, we, we see this verse, verse number 14 of Galatians 3. We receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And as with all faith projects, it comes back to where we were in our offering today. It comes back to believing in our heart and speaking with our mouth. It comes back to acting on the Word of God. Believing is a mindset. And the, and the blessing mindset is thinking like God thinks. And I've been pastoring uh, a long time and, and preaching for decades. And I can tell you that, that it is a job to, to change a mindset from the curse to the blessing. I've been working on it now for over 50 years I'm not perfected at it, but I, I, I have overcome some barriers in my life, in my thinking and my mindset about these things. It will change your attitude. It will change how you see yourself. You need to see yourself like God sees you. Not, not how somebody else sees you. And certainly not how someone who doesn't believe in you and doesn't think you're, you know, going to amount to much. You don't want to, you don't want to bother with that. You want to see yourself the way God sees you. How do I know how God sees me? You have to open the book. You're going to have to open the book. Christianity without a Bible is like, you know, trying to win, you know, the Daytona 500 with a bicycle. It's just not going to happen. You, you, can't, you can't divorce yourself from this book. You say, well, I don't understand it. Uh, we've got eternity to figure it out. Let's see what we do understand. Let's study. Don't get into bondage. You don't have to read X number of chapters every day. You know, if your goal is to read five chapters of the Bible every day, then I want to see you on the day you open up Psalm 119. <laughs> no, no, it's not legalism. It is simply... Letting God speak to you through his word. Meditate the word. Let him speak to you. And then as you see yourself through the prism that God sees you, you see yourself in the light of what God wants you to be and who he says you are, you're going to find one of the first battles you'll, you'll deal with is the fact that this sounds too good to be true. People sometimes come into our meetings and they hear little bits and pieces of some things we say in certain kinds of messages or certain exhortations as we're praising God. And it would sound like, you know, these people are crazy. Do they really think that's really going to happen? 
It's just too good to be true, it sounds like. Well, I want to tell you, it is true. And by the way, it is good. I'm not telling you you'll never have a problem. I'm not telling you you'll never have an obstacle. We're talking about breakthroughs and blessings. That just that goes without saying that there's going to be some things to overcome, some things to deal with. But I'm saying that you can have victory every day. You can have victory in every combat. You can have victory over the enemy every single time. And a renewed mind toward the blessing is essential to walking in the blessing and then speaking the blessing and eliminating the curse from your conversation. We've already talked about that. Eliminating the, the idea of failure and curse from your vocabulary and your expectation will become a part of this faith life. And then you plan and you move toward a blessed life. I'm not planning on being broke. I'm not planning on being sick. I'm not planning on my marriage falling apart. I'm not planning on being mentally ill. I'm not planning on not knowing what day it is and where I am. I'm planning on living a blessed life. I'm planning on living a blessed life. And I know that some of those issues are not essential to salvation. You can have certain things that go wrong and, and, and you're still saved. Praise God. But as long as we're here, let's go for the blessing. As long as we're here, let's live in the life we're called to live in. Bless coming in, Deuteronomy 28. Bless coming in, bless going out. Blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed in the basket, blessed in the storehouses. Blessed in all that we set our hand to. That's the kind of life Jesus offers. That's not just a freedom word church message. That is the life that Jesus offered. Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Hallelujah. Do you have that life today? Yeah. How many have that life today? Amen. Oh, oh, thank you. Let's praise him for a moment. Let's just worship the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Your word is true. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord.